and it's, it's really just a conversation that we need to have. So black, white, yellow, blue, green, whatever, like we need to read this book, be informed and have these type of discussions so we can move forward. So. everyone and welcome back for a new episode of four friends in the book podcast i'm chris colston joined here with isaiah toots kimberly lake and laria reed so four friends in the book podcast is our monthly podcast series where we have a discussion centered around a book that we're reading together um and we kind of meet here for that um discussion of that book um mm-hmm. any relevant topics that may or may not relate to it um, so somewhat of a book club, book review, mixed with just table talk amongst friends. Um, so first and foremost, if you guys have an if you already aren't, please like, share, subscribe, and follow us on all social media platforms, and mm-hmm. also leave us a review on your podcast streaming services. We'd love to hear from you guys. Any feedback you have um, would be greatly appreciated. So again, four friends book podcast. We read books over here. So the book for this month. Um, is in the nonfiction category. Um, good book, great selection. We are reading How the Word is Passed by Clint Smith. <laughs> a reckoning with the history of slavery across America. So, y'all know the historical uh, nonfiction is one of my favorite uh, kind of categories of books. I really love this book. Great read, great selection for this month. So let's uh let's let's jump into the discussion. Let's unpack this and kind of get into this book and and try to unpack it. So first and foremost, um, what are you guys thoughts about the book? Like overall, and we go we gonna start with Miss Late. Well, I actually really enjoyed this book. I listened it listened to it on Audible. Um, and I believe the author read it himself, but it was a really great book. It's when I was listening to it, I kind of wish this was the kind of book they let us read in history class because I felt like it was a true representation of history and what really happened here in America. I thought um, Clint Smith, he's a great writer. He's very descriptive. Like when he was describing people or at an event, like I really felt like it was there because he was so descriptive. So. I overall really enjoyed the book. I recommend everybody read it. Uh, you can be in high school and get it, get something from it. And uh, so I just really think everybody should read this book. It's a really great book. Cool, cool. Isaiah, what about you, brother? Um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the book. I'm a huge fan of African-American literature, especially dealing with history. You know, my overall impression was that this was actually a great read, one of the best reads I actually had actually read, you know, Dr. Smith, you know, he took you on a journey from the slave trade to present, or uh, basically how the word is passed or going through historical events and, you know, all, and how everything actually just coincides. He encountered, you know, with stories of what people told him about slavery and their different encounters with what has happened within this history of this country, not just with this country, but within the world. You know, it's a brutal history and he sheds a lot of light on the fact that a lot of Blacks were subjected to inequality. And this book's 
revealed a lot about the truth that I needed to hear. And now I'm on a journey to learn even more about, you know, this history. That's good. Yeah, I, I agree, man. I, um, like I said, I love reading African-American history, kind of learning about our roots, where we come from, our past. And I think Print does do a good job of really um, taking a deep dive to explore that, um, not only from just historical sites, um, facts that we may or may not be familiar with, but really just hearing people's stories. And I, I think uh, having difficult um, discussions and, and conversations about our history um, and so I think this book is a good read. Um, like it's mentioned, I think this is something that our, uh, you know, we all need to kind of be aware of, not only just African-Americans, but just Americans in general to know the history of this country. Because I think a lot of stuff has been kind of, kind of glossed over or kind of just you know, pushed in the corner. And so I think Clint does a good job of bringing some of these topics and subjects to the forefront. So yeah, I agree. I agree. Laria, what were your thoughts overall about this book? <clears throat> well, Kim took all of my words, but <laughs> I will say it again. I thought he was an excellent writer. I think he's an excellent writer. Um, I listened to it on Audible as well, and I felt like I was there. I felt that it was extremely descriptive. I felt like um, everything he did, it was almost like I was listening to a movie. So in my mind, I saw what he was talking about, <laughs> which was very... That normally gets a lot for me. Normally, I have to try to picture it in my head to try to follow along. But with him, it was like immediate. I would love to make that to a, a documentary or something like that, as if I'm a, a um, filmmaker like him, but I'm not. But I think that that would be amazing to do because it was just so descriptive. It was so good. And it was so um, informative about history, which is American history. And I believe that if people in general, white, black, Asian, Hispanic, if we all read this, you'll understand why victories are so important to Black people. Because I keep reading things and hearing things like, you know, why do we always have to celebrate when a Black person becomes on the Supreme Court, when a Black person does this or is the first for something? You know, you all are a part. And it's like, no, you don't understand the history and the historical meaning of where we've come from. So yeah. if everybody really read books like what he had in the way he put it, it was so objective, and I, I really enjoyed it. It was just a great read. I think everybody should read it. Yeah, that's good. And, and you bring up a good point, which kind of leads into the next, uh, I guess, topic, even the fact that we um, are making you know, these you know, historical feats now, and it's being celebrated so much because we have gone through so much within this country. But because we're kind of where culturally, you know, it's, it's a big deal to us, but it may not be as significant to others, but so in this book, Clint uh, really just takes a tour around the U.S. and even abroad. I mean, he starts out in his hometown of New Orleans, goes to the Mont Monticello Plantation, so Thomas Jefferson's plantation in Virginia, um, then goes to the Whitney Plantation in Louisiana, um, goes to Angola Prison, also in Louisiana, the Blanchard Cemetery, um, Gavison Island, Texas. So. Think about Juneteenth, that's kind of one of the forefront mm -hmm. um, locations for that movement. Um, even getting up into New York. So we typically think about, you know, slavery, Deep South things, but also unpacking some of the things that actually were happening, you know, happening up north. And so even mm -hmm. Central Park, 
um, you know, Statue of Liberty, just kind of hitting different topics and, and things. And even going abroad, he, he takes us to to the House of Slaves uh, in the Gory Islands in, in Senegal. So getting even beyond our borders here in the U.S. to just really hit these locations and really unpack how slavery has impacted um, us here within the United States, but also even um, worldwide. So out of those locations, which one did you kind of, I guess, best identify with or which location um, kind of resonated with you the most and why? And so we're going we to start with Brother Isaiah on this one. <laughs> you know, the location that was most intriguing for me was his trip to the Monticello plantation owned by Thomas Jefferson, a former president. And, you know, one thing I wasn't aware of was that Sally Hemmings, the mother of Thomas Jefferson kids, was the daughter of also Elizabeth Hemmings, a slave who was owned by John Wells. And Sally, you know, was also, you know, his daughter, um, his daughter as well, too. And also Jefferson took Sally, you know, to Paris where, you know, she was there and she told Jefferson that she she wasn't returning back to Virginia to the plantation that she wanted to stay in France and just that she was actually going to sue for her freedom because it was actually illegal there to actually own slaves in France but Jefferson made a deal with her that actually if she returned that she will be that that her children would be free around the age of 21 years old but he never actually freed Sally Hemmings his actually concubine and this gets even deeper because Jefferson's wife, Martha, before she actually died before Thomas actually became a president. And she was also the daughter of John Well, which means you guessed it. Martha Jefferson and Sally Hemmings were sisters. And it just that this is crazy. This is you never think about a former president owning slaves and basically the forefathers of what our Constitution actually stands for. Not really what it stands for, but as she wrote the Constitution, that all men are. Mm -hmm. Uh, created equal, but you actually, they aren't created equal because you had your mistress and your children as the slaves. Uh, this is just crazy to me when I read that information. Yeah, I mean, it was a lot to unpack, man. So we, we think about the, the the foundation and the, the founders of our country, but to hear that the backstory, the behind scenes story that you don't always get, um, was kind of interesting to hear um and even how it's presented with visitors to that location so that was good what were you what about you why is everybody taking all my stuff isaiah took but yeah we had all these chapters but i have been like obsessed with sally hemmings and their family since mm -hmm. the 90s when it's well when i heard about it i'm sure it was known and even mm -hmm. as a kid, i was just like i need to know about this this is so like I, I didn't know this and so i always followed it and even to i don't know if it was what's the name of the netflix special where they talk about food um and, and slavery i forgot the name of it but anyway, I didn't realize that her brother, James Hemings, well, Sally Hemings' brother was James Hemings. He was the one that Thomas Jefferson took to France once again to learn mm -hmm. the delicacies of France. And he brought back like French fries. Well, he made a French fries and macaroni and cheese and all these different things that we <laughs> use now that we mm -hmm. eat now. So mm -hmm. I was always like, I didn't know that they were brother and sister until I started looking it up from reading this book. But mm -hmm. anyway. Um, that was my favorite, the Monticello. The, and it was just so, um, the ignorance that a lot of the people that he talked about that yes. come to Monticello, 
say, like, I didn't know Thomas Jefferson owned slaves. I thought that he was a person who believed everyone was the same. And then even with Jefferson believing um, slaves did better when they were happier and he didn't like harsh harshness as much. And so it's almost like he was trying to justify him owning slaves himself mm -hmm. and have all of these people working on, you know, and just say, well, mm -hmm. you know, I treat them good. They'd rather be with me and just mm -hmm. kind of justify your wrong. The people that were telling him about it, the, the tour guides and the mm -hmm. people that work tell, tell him how people would come and just be shocked and say, oh, well, I, I didn't want to know about that. I didn't want to know the ugly side of slavery. So it's just amazing. That's why I said this book is really good as to um, the historical background of a lot of things. But I don't mm -hmm. think a lot of people want to go there because if you do, you have to start making changes. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, that's good. And mm -hmm. even you mentioned how, you know, there's, of course, you go into the, the plantation of Thomas Jefferson. So there's several different tours that are available. Uh, mm -hmm. But typically the tours that are going in depth into kind of you know, Jefferson's kind of, you know, dark past aren't the, you know, favorite tours or the most popular tours. And if you just want to go see the house, you know, exactly. see the kind of the, the mainstay pieces of it, but the tours that really give it, get into the, the details about it aren't, you know, typically as ex explored or even people don't seek those out. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's interesting how, you know, even the information is being available to people, but, you know, it's just the willingness even to try to learn or, or explore more isn't always there so mm -hmm. good point I, I think for me i was really intrigued by the whitney plantation so um, again another location within louisiana and i think i was really intrigued because they just seem very uh, forthcoming as far as putting out information out there like they're not trying to hold anything back they are kind of unapologetic about talking about enslaved people how this process was and I, I think we need that honesty when we talk about this uh, often you know we've been even seeing stuff now where even in some textbooks are talking about how it was beneficial for people to be enslaved and they came over and you know their their masters you know treated them well and all this stuff but mm -hmm. the, the guys at the Whitney plantation seemed to be very just in your face about what was going on at that location true and, and i was really intrigued like i really want to go there myself to kind of just just kind of soak it up man I, I think it's just there's so much that has happened within this country that we're not familiar with we're not aware of and so mm -hmm. for me the direction that they're trying to go in with that location was very intriguing and how they're telling the story um was very intriguing to me so that was kind of my my i guess favorite location out of the different sites that uh, Clint Smith visited while he was writing his book. So, mm -hmm. so Kim, what was that location for you? Mine actually was Galveston, Texas, okay. um, where they were talking about it centered around Juneteenth and Juneteenth celebration. Um, mm -hmm. It resonated with me because, you know, growing up, you always hear about one, Fourth of July, the America's Independence Day. And of course, mm -hmm. enslaved people weren't. Uh, free during that time and then you also hear about the Emanci emancipation proclamation in school and like that's when slaves are free but then you know as you get older you realize that um slaves weren't really free because of that so i really resonated with 
Juneteenth in Galveston, Texas. I would love to go there and do a Juneteenth celebration. Um, it's okay. something, of course, now it's a federal holiday, but growing up, I wasn't really um, aware of it too much. Mm-hmm. And um, I know I remember seeing the interview with Beyonce's mom, Tina Knowles, and she was like, man, we I'm from Texas, so they had big celebrations about it. It was a big deal there. But here, like, well, mostly around the country, it wasn't. So moving forward, I want to make it more of a celebration in my life. And, you know, hopefully when I have children and a family, like making that more of a celebration between us so we can know about the history. Even with Juneteenth, like uh, those that were enslaved, you know, some owners didn't tell them that they were free and some were still making mm-hmm. them work off uh, labor. And, and one, I think one guy was like, I still have fields you got to clear. So I don't care if you're free, you got to like do these fields. So even in that, it's just sad to see, like, see how enslaved people were treated. But um, yeah, Galveston, Texas is the place that I most connected with in the book. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Even considering, you know, Emancipation Proclamation was signed, but it was years before people even got the word of that. And so um, kind of knowingly and unknowingly, you have some slave owners that they like, hey, I ain't telling nobody. Like, we going to finish this season out or finish this year out and, and not say anything until actually you had, you know, Union soldiers show up to really make this announcement and make it public. And so, yeah, Juneteenth is now a federal holiday. But, yeah, I, I think you know, in some communities, it's more celebrated, but I hopefully that since it is a federal holiday now, people become more familiar with it um, and what it actually meant um, to us, you know, culturally, but also just from a, a national perspective. So, right. All right. So, look, y'all know I'm a quote guy. I love quotes. <laughs> um, I read these books, man. I'm always writing stuff down. I'm, I'm always making quotes about things. Um, so as you're reading this book, and again, a lot of historical information, um, Clint is doing interviews, he's visiting these sites. Um, do you guys have a, have a, have a favorite a favorite quote from the book and why? And actually, you know, since I'm a quote, I'm, I'm going to start off. I'm going to start off. So my quote, my favorite quote from the book, let me find it. It was actually, so it says, they are trying to destroy history they don't like. And so the reason this was my favorite quote, because I found it very interesting. So this is when Clint was at the Blanchford uh, Cemetery mm-hmm. and he was there doing a memorial uh, celebration, Memorial Day celebration. And so it was the sons of the Confederacy that were there holding this rally. And so that was the actual quote that one of the, the guys doing the celebration for the Confederacy spoke out. And I just I just found it very intriguing that from their perspective, they feel like the history of the Confederate soldiers is trying to be masked or not shared or not conveyed properly when you know historically within this country, a lot of the African American history has been covered up. Um I made mention before how even the notion of being enslaved has now changed in textbooks. You know, even the notion of exploration of Columbus coming to this country and, and how we've learned that that hasn't been properly conveyed. So it was very interesting that he was saying that about the Confederacy and how history wasn't being, uh, was being covered up to not be accurately portrayed. But I feel like that's 
common in so many other places, and we've just seen it firsthand. So that was that was kind of my favorite quote because mm-hmm. it, was, it was I was just kind of the, the the mindset of, of typical what you think of that group is just was, was it's kind of unique to me. So it was, yeah. it was kind of interesting. Kim, what about you? Favorite quote? Um, my quote was from the owner of the Whitney plantation. And he said, um, it's not a feeling of guilt. It's a feeling of discovered ignorance. And that stuck out to me because I feel like white America in general um, always kind of push the narrative. And we talk about the history of, you know, America, like we're doing now. Um, They're Mm -hmm. like, we don't want to talk about it because it's not me and you're trying to make me feel guilty of something I wasn't even a part of and all that stuff. But this is a white guy that was going to buy a plantation, trying to make money off of it. But when he learned the history, the true history behind it, it it didn't make him feel guilty. He just woke up and was like, man, I didn't know I was so ignorant. And that spurred him to start researching more, researching more. He put like $10 million into Mm -hmm. the Whitney plantation of his own money just Mm -hmm. so he can get the truth out there. So that just shows that the truth will set you free as, you know, as the Bible says. So you don't have to be afraid of the the realness of history because Mm -hmm. reading it is not going to make you feel guilty, but it will spur you to try to make things better or right the the wrongs of the past. So that's what stuck out to me in the book. That's good. That's good. Isaiah, what was that? What was that quote? Did you, did you pull one out of the book that's really resonated with you? And Chris, you also were trying to make me a quote guy as well, too. You know, the quote, the quote that I, uh, you know, that stuck out to me was each generation must know the story of how we got to where we are today. Because if we don't understand, then we are in a position to go back to it. And this quote stood out because we see so many atrocities that are going on within the country with the gutting of the Voting Rights Act bill, the elimination of quote unquote, the um, the critical race theories, uh, especially African-American literature being taught into the school system, as well as just trying to get the John Lewis Act, Voting Rights Act passed within our Congress. And, you know, with with within the Black America, within Black America, you know, through everything that we've been through, we have become as strong as we possibly can. And this means that because of uh, our Blackness in this country, that we get to celebrate these victories, as Loretta was talking about earlier, that they are so important to us because that we struggle to have these victories. And we understand that the work still isn't done, and we actually must keep fighting to actually make sure that it's actually better for our actual generation that are actually coming behind us. That's good. That's good. All right, Lorio, what was yours? I think we all had the same gist. (laughs) 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 We all think alike. Um, So um, so many come here without an understanding of the primary cause of the Civil War. How -hmm. people come to and go to these plantations and look at everything and it's like, Oh, that didn't have anything to do with the Civil War. You know, it's like, it's no connection. It's no historical context. And as I was saying before, you know, when you live in ignorance, which is the quote that Kim said, it's easier Mm -hmm. to move on with your life and not know and just, oh, that doesn't, that doesn't bother me. That doesn't have anything to do with me. I wasn't a person Mm -hmm. that enslaved you. Um, Mm -hmm. So we don't have to look at the Civil War like that. The Civil War was about 
my grandparents and how they fought for their values. Well, their values included enslaving Black people. It's true. Harsh. Let's just go on and put it out there. All of us have family members who have done things that weren't right. And mm -hmm. the more and the quicker you own up to your ancestry of what they've done and what they need to do better, you can do better. And you don't look at things the same way when you understand the knowledge and when you go to these things and you don't just walk through mm -hmm. and plant. Oh, look at how beautiful the grounds are. They were beautiful because somebody was here tearing stuff down and working. And, you know, it was very cruel. And mm -hmm. um, I just think that that quote, along with the ones that you all said, really stuck out to me because I feel like the Civil War has been made into something that's not true. It's not true. It's just, you know, it's about the Confederate flag. It just means my grandparents know. It means a lot. You got to look at that thing deeper than that. It, it, it goes mm -hmm. way deeper. So I just think ignorance is bliss in a lot of ways. And uh, yeah, which is another quote. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, it, it was a lot of gems within this book, and uh, there's a lot of things, you know, even the fact of, like I said, the the history not being accurately portrayed, or even the perspective, because again, I think some people had perspective that was, you know, <clears throat> just kind of one sided, and and there's not a willingness to even to view it from the opposite side or, or see how someone else could perceive it differently. And so, you know, you, you know, how Clint you know, kind of explains how the word is passed, you know, some, some history is kind of told through just kind of tribal knowledge. You know, you tell these stories about your family and things that, you know, you may have uh, experienced from that perspective, but it's still a different perspective as well. And even some stuff is just, is not factual. And so some information is being passed on and conveyed. It's just not, it's not accurate. And so we have to be open-minded and have a willingness to really to learn the truth so that we can move forward in this process of, I think really healing the country. But I, I, I really don't think until we have a true and honest discussion mm -hmm. about the history of the United States, like I just, I think we're gonna be stifled in our progress and, and moving forward, you know, we there's discussions about reparations and how that, you know, what that looks like or how that should be presented. But until we're truthful and honest about what has happened within this country, I think it's just, it's going to be a hard sell because people don't want to talk about it. People don't want to hear it and people don't want to have a discussion. So, mm -hmm. um, Smith, brother, I appreciate you for writing this book. I, if you guys haven't read it already, definitely pick it up. Um, definitely get a get a copy of it. Listen on Audible. Like I said, it's a great read. A lot of history, a lot of information, um, and it's, it's really just a conversation that we need to have. So, black, white, yellow, blue, green, whatever. Like, we need to read this book, be informed, and, and have these type of discussions so we can move forward. So, good, good book, good book, good book. All right, so let's 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 pivot a little bit. Let's let's switch gears. You know, four friends of the book podcast. We read books over here, but we also like to talk about things that are going on. Uh, within our community, uh, within our nation, within this world. And so right now, you know, as we speak, we just had the confirmation of Katanji Brown Jackson to the Supreme Court. Um, 
I think Laria kind of alluded to it early on, you know, like, you know, in the African-American community, like this is a huge win for us. Yes. Um, what do you guys talk about that? Uh, Laria, I'm going to come back to you. I'm going to let you kick this one off. This is like female power on a whole nother level. This is the womanhood. This is just everything. Um, it Nothing makes me more happy to, than to see a woman who's of African-American descent, who is overqualified, I mean, qualified, probably overqualified, brilliant, intelligent, the best of the best, get a position that's so deserving of her service and what she's done. I mean, if you go through her qualifications, education, background, and see where she's come from to where she is now, homegirl got it going on. And I am so excited for her to be able to be in that monumental state because she's one of many that will come behind her, which is what we're praying and hoping for. Um, but somebody has to start the pace. And I believe with her, she's a great example. I believe that um, she will represent everyone. I believe that she will interpret the law the correct way. I believe that she will represent her heritage and everyone well. Um, What's all about your cough drop? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, she cried. <laughs> <laughs> Lord told me to shut up. <laughs> but anyway, Use a I love Miss Jackson. <laughs> I think she's awesome. I think that it's just, she's amazing. And no, I, I have no words. I was just so excited. So happy for her and so happy for us as a people because I know my grandmother probably would have never guessed we would have a black female as a Supreme Court justice. So that just does my heart good to know that we're coming along. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. I think for me, like I said, it, it is a huge step forward. We kind of talked about it, yeah, I think, on our, even on our previous episode. You know, we need representation mm -hmm. um, within our systems to accurately portray and represent the people of our country. Right. And so to think about this monolithic, you know, su Supreme Court that we've had historically, you know, being traditionally just kind of, you know, older white men, but now to have, uh, you know, black female representation within the Supreme Court, I think is a huge step forward. And I'm actually also the fact that she has experience as far as being a a public defender, I think, is a huge thing. Typically, in you know, our justices are, are kind of on the prosecute, uh, prosecution side of the thing, so or, or mm -hmm. side of the house. So, her having that different perspective, being a public defender, representing people, I think, will also be a huge for a justice to kind of have that experience as well. So, I'm um, excited about this 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 monumental. Um, no, announcement and her being kind of just appointed um you know there was some to contention throughout the process i mean some of these crazy questions that, that kind of went out to her i hate she had to go through that process and it just couldn't have been about her record and her experience you know some of these things you know what what's a woman like it it was just kind of ridiculous but I'm, I'm just excited for her and hopefully this is a, is a, a step forward and us really having representation um, within our our systems to really accurately uh, reflect, you know, our country and the people that reside within it. So 
him, how did so big moment? Uh, Ms. Katanji Brown Jackson being appointed to the Supreme Court. What, what, what do you what do you feel? How are you feeling about that? I was excited for her one and just very proud, you know, as Luria said, I'm a black woman. So it's nice to see history being made and then I'm alive to see it today. Um, so I, I am excited for her. I'm excited for what she represents for, especially women coming behind her, because as you touched on representation matters, not just for making the decisions, but for helping inspire other people. And of course, you know, here we go with the dream talk. But there's some little girl that sees her on the Supreme Court now and knows that I can do that. And I think that's a um, a lot of times when I hear, like, why do we have to highlight, as Luria said earlier, the first African-American this, or the first this, we're all American. Yes, we're American, but it means something different when you see somebody look like you break through a, bar a barrier because it makes you believe that you can walk through it as well. So I think that's what she represents for a lot of little Black girls and Black women. And I just um, really believe that she'll do a really great job. So I was happy for her, am happy for her, and happy to see that um, I got a chance to witness a piece of history. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's good. Hi, my brother. What was, uh, what, do you, what do you feel about this historical moment? How do I feel? You know, justice sounds good on Kentaji Brown Jackson. You know, her career has been extraordinary and she has endured the confirmation process with poise and grace. And, you know, mm -hmm. through every moment, she continued to heroically overcome the opposition and bigotry of those just questions that she would just actually ask during her confirmation. And for the first time in history, a black woman will sit on the Supreme Court and the pride that I feel is immeasurable. The highest court is better reflects America and she will actually help our nation with being more justly and actually doing more, actually justice causing with what's going on within this nation. And this day will always be remembered in history because Justice Jackson has moved the needle of what is achievable for black women everywhere. And as you all stated that representation does matter because right now there is is a black woman in law school wondering if she even good enough if she belongs there and this confirmation is a symbol of black hope black power black history and most importantly black excellence <laughs> you were that was good i felt like that was the rant <laughs> hey my boy gave us the rant before the rant yeah that was standing ovation. I said that was good. That was that was good. Yeah, my I think your words really capture I think how a lot of people feel. And uh yeah, this this is a big moment. Um and, and like you know, we've kind of mentioned here, yeah, we do, you know, take a lot of pride in these moments because there's been so many times in the past that we didn't have access that we right. weren't even allowed <laughs> to participate. Um so when we do make these monumental steps uh forward you know it, it is significant and so and and it's, it's good for all of us it's not, it's not just good for the african-american community i mean this is good for the united states of america because we, we need representation so good good all right so just wrapped up the book how the word is passed by clint smith talking about history our past and even talking about 
Supreme Court Justice Katanji Brown Jackson now being confirmed. So even showing the progression that we've made, even with our troubled past and history within this country, that we now have the first black woman appointed to the Supreme Court. So yeah, it's just a good discussion, good book, good conversation um in general. So I, I appreciate you guys, you know, yeah. Having this discussion, having this talk, educating people, me, I mean, it's been good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, I, again, if you guys haven't read that book, definitely go check it out. Um, so we get to that favorite part of our show. Well, if you've been rocking with us for a while, you, you know what time it is. This, 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 this segment that we call The Rant. 60 seconds, uninterrupted, no debates, no additional discussions. We're not contesting what's being said. Just speaking freely from the heart. None other than my brother, the rant man. Coming again. He just gave us a pre-rant about Miss Katanji Brown Jackson. So I don't know what his next rant gonna be. I don't know if he's gonna continue that and give us something completely different. But my brother, the floor is yours again. 60 seconds uninterrupted. Starting now. Go. Yeah, if Russell ain't had that bread, she ain't gonna be with him. <laughs> Russell Square. Yeah, Russell Square. Russell Square. Russell Square. Thing, Sierra, Sierra had a she she has a good situation, but she was you don't leave future they, she and a, get with Russell Wilson. The, the, the thing is, I think that's what you You don't wrong, leave though. future and get with Russell Women Wilson. Like, it's, a, it's a type. Listen, bro, everybody peace. got a type. Yeah, that's true. Everybody has a type. You're going to leave Future and get with Russell Wilson? You He's have... so damn square, and I love him on the field. He's this. a square. So I've been following this trending topic of Shannon Crowder calling Russell Wilson a square only because he has a clean image. And our depiction of what's cool or uncool was supposed to grow up when we grew up. Black men's public image needs to be repaired because I don't think there is another community slash culture in the world where a man like Russell Wilson would be considered lame or corny. Black men images have been publicly tainted for so long that when some people see a regular married family oriented black man raising his children, he is being viewed as corny. If being chill, wholesome, family-oriented is perceived as a negative by Black men, then the issue isn't our public image, it's our perception. And the question should be asked, is Russell Wilson's ambition strong, or is his work ethic not good enough, or is it his ability to gain success through his athletic abilities and to keep this clean image? And this is bigger than Russell Wilson because there are so many Black men like Russell doing great for their communities and families. Their names are unknown because they are only getting the applause from their homes and neighborhoods, and that is enough for them. And that's that on that. That's good, brother. That's good. You know, even how we're talking about the perspective of this country um, and the history of this country, we also have to change our perspective about each other. And so I think you bring out a good point there um, and how we see each other. Um, And so, yeah, brother, I appreciate your rent, man. Good, 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 good information. Good information. All right, so Four Friends in the Book podcast just wrapped the book, How the Word is Passed by Clint Smith. We talked about Ms. Katanji Brown-Jackson being confirmed to the Supreme Court, and my boy Isaiah Toops just killed this rant once again. 
Um, so, of course, we read books over here and we got some new information coming for you guys. So, Isaiah, tell them about what's coming up next. Hey, guys, before we let you go, please join us in our next book as we explore Black Kate by Charmaine Wilkerson. You don't want to miss it. Loria, please let the viewers know when they can tune in. You guys can tune in with us every third Thursday of the month for a new book. All of us will be right here to give you great content so you can come on with us. So, Kim, whatever you got to say, go on and tell them that. <laughs> and make sure you like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel so you don't miss any of our great content. Yes. And as always, guys, we thank you for rocking with us. Also, be on the lookout for those author spotlights. We're featuring authors, having discussions with them about their process as far as becoming published. So be on the lookout for those as well. Um, and as always, let's continue to read, let's learn, let's grow, and let's have a discussion here on Four Friends in a Book. Thank you. Thank you.